Sam's like, man, another day, God just shits in my dinner. Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches, just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Yes, welcome. The edition of the show where Sly feels like dog shit, her air conditioning is running, she's drinking a margarita out of a can with a bamboo straw, and trying not to want to die. How's that going for you? Well, we'll see after those two shots of tequila kick in. (laughs) If I sound weird, my tonsils are extremely swollen, my neck is swollen, everything's swollen, including my ass. I think the tequila hit. <laughs> Found that tequila. Have I told you that General, for the listener, the newest cat in my house, likes to slap me in the face? No, but that's also one of my favorite pastimes. Well, I'll be laying in bed, not ready to get up yet. And at first it started when just their food bowl was empty. He'd come over and like, it's literally like he'll, you'll watch him because I'll watch him with my eyes kind of like cracked open. He like psychs uh. out and he slaps down on your face and runs off. <laughs> it's actually Brian. <laughs> Well, it's after Brian leaves, but who knows? But he got me yesterday morning. Yesterday he did it with the with a little bit of claw out, so he scratched me right there. It's like maybe a half inch long. I'd have killed that little. Oh fire. yeah, I was not happy with him. Usually I just like ignore it, but it's right there in the corner of my mouth. After I take a bite of food and I like wipe my mouth, I'm irritating that scratch. Ugh, Jesus. Which is fine. I'm being reminded of how much that little fucker loves me. Mm-hmm. Every day. Existence is pain. I've come to learn that. Yeah, I was also going to mention we're going to try something a little different this week. Instead of reading you guys a uh, scene-by-scene summary of the show, we're going to try just a very abbreviated summary. We want to provide a little bit more, let's say, personality and our opinions on what we're watching instead of just, oh, we liked this, move on. Because we all know how much we like to rant about things that we love and the things that we hate. And so why not just add a little bit more of that? I mean, odds are, if you've watched the show, I mean, once we give you the summary of what happened in that episode we kind of know what's up and we can talk about our favorite parts and talk about more things but yeah so we'll see how it goes if you absolutely hate this then you know let us know Uh, will we listen probably not but you know what we might if you hate this new attempt at a different format feel free to um type a scene by scene summary for me and then Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. you can email it to us at uh bewatchpodcast at gmail.com otherwise (laughs) please don't judge it off of this a week because i will i'm off i'm not gonna lie i'm i we don't have a choice i pushed this as far as we could and i still have to edit it for next week so sorry this is what you get so yeah, you're you're at a down, and right now, you know, this whole week I also have been really tired. So I'm like, yeah, it's fine. We can push it. It's fine. It's fine. And then today, which we'll tell the listener of how recently we recorded this, today in the Heights was released on HBO Max. I'm not going to say anything about the actual content besides, good golly, it's fabulous. It's, it's fantastic. It's absolutely. It's so fantastic. I yeah. watched it all day today, and I can't wait to actually watch it on my TV with my surround sound downstairs. Mm. I just loved it. I loved it so much. I, th- mm, I don't want to say I liked it more than Hamilton, but did you? Uh, there. D- there are moments. There are moments that are just so. This really. I mean, not that Hamilton doesn't grip you, but this film just like. It's so, 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 so good. And I would kill, I'll say this, I would kill to see a film adaptation of Hamilton because it's Mm -hmm. not like we don't have musical movies already and this shows how well they can be done. 
maybe that ship has sailed, but uh, yeah, I mean, it might happen. You never know. I think Tater and I are going to watch that later, probably either this weekend or tonight or something. So yeah, I'm sure I'll love it because yeah, I loved Hamilton. So yeah, they've outdone themselves and Anthony Ramos, you're going to be seeing him everywhere after this. <sighs> everywhere. Those freaking freckles, man. Yeah. Those freckles will kill you. I will say. No one cares. But yeah, I'm kind of leaning back in my chair, drinking a margarita, drinking a mango marg out of a can. It is a, for the listeners at home, it is a cut water mango margarita, gluten-free, San Diego. And it's really good. I like these a lot. These are the closest thing to like a real margarita I think you can get in a can. So, but yeah, we're just going to chill out, talk about some of our favorite moments, go over everything and, uh, Do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, so this episode, we are discussing episodes 7 through 12 of Freaks and Geeks. At the top, I'll say, still really loving this show. Yes. I didn't like this stint as much as I liked previous ones. Yeah, the first, I feel like the first block was really smooth sailing. I really enjoyed it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm still really enjoying the show. But this section that we watched, there are moments where I'm just like, oh my god, okay, I get get it. I get it. I get this. We're at that like mid-season slump. Yeah, there are definitely moments that are terrific. Oh, actually, I was going to tell you this while we were recording, and I totally forgot until just right now. I decided to start rewatching How I Met Your Mother this week as like a feel good show that I'm running through. You know, I watched, I rewatched okay. The Nanny pretty mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. So even though I, I do have it on our eventual list, I'm just, I decided to start rewatching it to occupy my time. Within the first 10 episodes, you see the guy who played Neil as a, like an extra in yeah. one of the scenes. Yeah. And then a couple episodes later, you see the guy who played Bill in one of the <gasps> other scenes. Martin Starr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Martin He doesn't Star. have a beard yet, but he does look better. But he does play a super nerd, like super nerd. <sighs> but I think yes. it's really cute that Jason Segel's like pulling in his friends to do stuff with him. Yeah. Are they friends? Like, is, like IRL? Like, I friends, would friends? assume so, but... It's yeah, a pretty good yeah, coincidence yeah. if two of them ended up on How I Met Your Mother. That's true. Anyways, uh, so yeah, it, it was just fun to see a couple of these faces pop up on How I Met Your Mother, since I would have never noticed them before. It's like, oh my gosh, that's Sam Levine and Martin Starr, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode 7, Carded and Discarded. This episode, I think it was one of the first ones that I actually correctly predicted as to how it was going to end. Because as we talked about previously, the beer keg episode didn't end how I thought it would. It really subverts your expectations. I think that's Mm -hmm. a good way to put it. But in this one, I I saw this one coming. I saw this one coming and I called it before it happened. But as far as who the lead singer is, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I figured out who that was pretty soon. Pretty, Pretty soon. Some good foreshadowing there. So, A-plot is Sam, Neil, and Bill befriend this new girl who just moved into town from Florida. Her name is Maureen. She's super pretty, and they're all in love with her. And they really are shocked that this beautiful girl is paying attention to them and is being friendly with them and wants to hang out with them. And then the popular crowd kind of starts showing an interest in her. She's talking to the lead cheerleader, which is actually played by uh, the same actress as Cheyenne from Mm -hmm. Reba. Joanna Garcia. Joanna Garcia. Yes, and she was in Reba. It's one of those guilty pleasure shows. I really liked watching Reba, especially when I was younger. But So to make sure that she's still interested in them, they try to take her out on a night of all-you-can-eat ribs and dining and an attempt to keep from losing her. 
Doesn't Harris, of all people, suggest this to them? Yes, freaking Harris. Mr. Porn Stash, but not full porn stash, like prepubescent porn stash Harris, is out here saying, Well, if you want to keep a girl, take him to All You Can Eat Rib Night. And I'm like, what the fuck are you on, Harris? So stupid. (laughs) So stupid. I didn't understand that. Like, why that was the thing to keep the girl. Yeah, I think his, his point was... That they would impress her by taking her there. Gotcha. Okay. Sure. That's a real stretch, but it was a stretch to even suggest it. Yeah. I really like the scene where they have the rockets (laughs) and they're all shooting off their rockets (laughs) in the parking lot. And poor Bill, he brings the biggest rocket to the table because of course he does. Yeah, his rocket's like three foot long. When Maureen gets there, she's like, I like how big your rocket is. And the other two boys are like, of course, like, That was supposed to be an innuendo, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay, okay. Especially because I think Sam has had the smallest rocket, right? (laughs) I think so. I don't remember if it was before or after this, but they drew straws to see whose girlfriend she would be, and Bill got the straw. right after, because the three boys go back to Sam's house, and they're talking about how she's perfect because she, like, like play with rockets and do this and this, and Mm -hmm. Bill goes, she's the kind of girl you can fart in front of, and... (laughs) No, cut the cheese in front of. Cut the cheese in front of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the phrase they used throughout the entire episode. What's the point of being with a girl if you can't cut the cheese Bill even uses that phrase later. He loves to say cut the cheese. He does. I feel like it was a very popular phrase back then. They all three of them go on and on about how she's the perfect girl. You can cut the cheese in front of her. And Sam says you can't ever cut cheese in front of a woman. And it's it's just funny. So they realize that all three of them are, quote, in love with her. And they decide then, all right, the only way we're going to get to settle this is if we draw. We find Uh out that Bill cheats by wetting his paper. But it's funny because Sam doesn't trust Neil. Mm -hmm. And so he makes Bill pick. But Bill cheats and wets it with like his spit. And so that's how he got to pull it. So yeah, it's just a mess. It's a mess. It's such a teenage boy thing. And that went nowhere. No, it went nowhere. (laughs) He never actually asked her out. They all three went on a date for all you can eat ribs. And then I liked how she really took charge of the waiter situation. Oh, with Dave Kackner, the waiter, yes. Yeah, it was, it caught me really off guard, but what was it she said? I've heard there's terrible service here or something like that. Yeah, and you're going to wait a long time to bring us the ribs so we fill up on the bread. I want you to bring the meat quickly and this, this, and this so we Uh don't get full on bread. And And when I say I liked that, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) like what is she on the audacity of this child yeah and i get that the show only had one season but she literally is never seen of again yet yeah to be fair we do six episodes left but i know for a fact we discussed the character karen or rashida jones in the last stint she does not come back she that was a one episode one and done kind of thing but joanna garcia does come back yeah kind of as like a sub character slash plot device with cindy by the end of it she is kind of taken in by the popular kids but she she tells the geeks that she won't forget about them but obviously she did because she never came back so yeah um (laughs) it was really fun at some point they start saving a seat for her at their table in the cafeteria at some point they are exchanging what i'm gonna call war stories about teachers either at their yes. school and then back at her school. And they go back and forth about like, this teacher chopped off his thumb in wood shop and kept teaching <laughs> and this happened and someone shot someone. I don't know. It just was a lot of kind of a pissing contest about which kid had the crazier teacher story. So yeah, the other thing with the Maureen storyline, and then this kind of ends that one, I think. At one point, they see that Maureen is talking in the hallway with Vicky or Joanna Garcia's character. 
the head cheerleader, mm-hmm. Neil decides to quote sick Eli on her to get Maureen away from this conversation. So he calls yeah. Eli over and says, hey, Vicky said that Three's company isn't funny. This mm-hmm. sends Eli off on a rage. I'm going to have to go talk yeah. to her. Goes and starts <laughs> explaining how Three's company is the funniest show to ever exist on television. Vicky obviously mm-hmm. doesn't know why this is coming at her, how to deal. And then uh, the three geeks swoop in and s- save Maureen from this conversation. And they dip. Quote unquote, save Maureen. Yeah, yes. From the bullet that they shot. And at the end of the episode, after Maureen says she's going to go sit with the cheerleaders... She did invite them and they said, no, we don't want to sit with the popular kids. So they do have that that fourth chair open and Eli comes over and asks if that chair is taken. And Neil says, it is by you. And then the four boys discuss Three's Company as the episode closes and it was really sweet. It was. I Eli breaks my heart. Like, I just want to hug him and be his best friend. Yeah. Yeah. It ended very, very yeah. well. Which brings us to subplot B. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the other side of this episode is uh, the carded part of the title of Carded and Discarded. And Lindsay and the Freaks decide that they want to buy fake IDs after they find out that Kim has one that actually works because they want to go see this band called Feedback at a bar that's going to be carding that night. Mm -hmm. And it's this whole rigmarole of, well, this guy sells fake IDs at the mall. And the the freaks go in and they find Jason Schwartzman with the worst haircut you've ever seen on him. (laughs) <laughs> he kind of pulls them back towards the dressing rooms of this clothing store that he works in. Says that they uh, have just the perfect timing because he's getting ready to get legitimate driver's licenses from from Canada in and uh-huh. needs to study their faces so he can really match them with the IDs that he's going to be procuring for them. It's in this moment where James Franco smiles really, really big at him. And Frank, there is a part where I give Daniel grief. <laughs> 13 too many teeth. <laughs> Thanks. I tweeted that <laughs> earlier this week as well on our Twitter. I was like, this man's got uh, elastic for a face and like 87 too many teeth. <laughs> the number just keeps getting higher and higher. But it's such a great smile. <laughs> yeah, it's a great smile when it's normal. But when he pulls the fucking cheeks back to China, you see all of them. He's got too many. I swear he's got too many teeth. There is something about it, though. It's so endearing. Ugh. I know, I know he's problematic. I'm sorry. You can cancel me if you want to on Twitter. That's fine. I'm I barely am on Twitter except for the angry tweet about my cold sores. Like <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, sue me. Yeah. Uh, and then the other point of this B story is at the very, very beginning of the episode, you see all the getting in just absolute horror in Rosso's office. And he's playing a song for them on the guitar. He's playing Alice Cooper's 18. Yeah. Nick's kind of into it in, a, I think, kind of an ironic way, but like a holy shit, yeah. is this really happening kind of way? And everyone else is just like, what? <laughs> Why is this happening? Rosso finishes the song out. As the freaks are trying as fast as they can to get out of his office, Rosso pulls Lindsay and holds her back and starts shit-talking her about needing to apply for college. He's worried that she's not actually applying herself anymore since, as we've mentioned, she's quit the mathletes and she's hanging out mm-hmm. with, with the freaks. She starts giving him some sass back, some rightful sass back, that all these different writers that she really admires didn't go to college. And Rosso goes, you know who else didn't go to college? Frank. And we went, What? <laughs> And Lindsay goes, who? And he goes, the guy who pumps my gas. Man, he added Frank so hard. Yeah. Frank? Yeah, there's a quote here. Give him what for? Damn. Don't hate on Frank. He's got a good job. Fuck you. Frank grew up to be an editor for a podcast. Frank did grow up to be an editor for a podcast. 
He's a hard-working fella. Thanks. Yeah. That was so... You know, he doesn't know Frank. He doesn't know what he does in his spare time. Surprise, surprise, the fake IDs that they buy from the guy at the mall look nothing like any of them. I think Seth Rogen's character yeah. gets one that's for a guy named Jesus, which we'll leave that yes. alone. <laughs> the rest of them demand that they get their money back. I think Ken says he's going to try and rock his ID. The three of them kind of feel a little dejected. They don't know what they're going to do because where else are they going to get a fake ID this late in the game? And Lindsay remembers that Millie has a cousin that makes IDs. So she goes and talks to her in the hallway and asks if her cousin Toby is still in jail and if he's still making IDs. <laughs> and Millie says that she doesn't talk to him anymore, that her whole family doesn't talk to him anymore. But if this is something she really wants, she can go do this herself. So... The three of them, Daniel, Lindsay, and Nick, show up at Toby's house. And Kevin Corrigan, who plays Eddie from Grounded for Life. And he's considerably older than the teens. A complete creep, for one. He only lets them in one at a time. And Daniel's extremely nervous. Daniel keeps fidgeting and touching too many things, really pissing Toby off. Finds his weed farm. Yeah. And you don't see the rigmarole of them doing the next two taking their pictures, but you do see Lindsay and Nick waiting for their pictures to be, or their IDs to be printed. Toby says that they're already violating the one at a time rule because Nick's in there with Lindsay. Because I don't blame him for not letting her go in there alone. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Toby keeps hitting on Lindsay, tries to ask her for her phone number. She's trying to just polite her way out of it and finally nick steps up and says hey actually she's my girlfriend i'd appreciate you stop flirting with her and toby at first doesn't believe this but does just finally give in but the asshole does up the prices on them for their ids right like that's so shitty man like that's such small dick energy yeah so they do finally get their fake ids they get to the club that night the first couple of them get through with no problem and then by the time they get to Lindsay, they're just waving them all in like all right go on go on go on the freaks feel so proud of themselves they're so accomplished they actually got into this bar and they're getting ready to see the band and as the band comes out you see everyone but the front man and at first and then the front man finally comes out and lo and behold it's freaking Mr. Call Me Jeff Rosso. The first song they play is 18 by Alice Cooper, which takes us back to the beginning of the episode. The freaks kind of like slumped down in their chairs and at some point started to start to order beers so they can really blend in. And Rosso calls them mm-hmm. out and says, you know, I want to do a special shout out to some special guests and points them all out and tells them that they can have the finest pop on the house. So, yeah. So one question I had was the bouncer said, man, we must be really desperate if we're letting these guys in. So did Rosso know in advance that Lindsay and her friends were coming? And so that's why they just got waved in? Oh, no, I think I thought the group sucked. Maybe. I thought maybe the bouncers thought that feedback sucked and they weren't going to be hitting full admission. So they were like, we might as well let these kids in. Gotcha. See, I thought. I thought it was that Rosso was like, no, let Lindsay, like, let this person, this person, and this person come through. They'll probably show up with fake IDs. I could be wrong. I, don't know I could be giving him way too much credit. Yeah, I don't know. I think he came out and saw them there. Because okay. it wasn't like they All tried right, to yeah. hide. They were right in the middle there. I would have dipped. Yeah, as soon as I saw him come out, I'd have been like, mm, I think it's time to go, folks. Yeah, like, take my beer, down it in the back back hall, and dip. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's why I saw it coming, because he played the guitar earlier in the episode, and that's what tipped me off, that he's probably a frontman for a cover band, because what middle-aged crisis call-me-Jeff fella isn't in a cover band from his youth? Yeah. <laughs> is what it is. I like the Maureen plot better than the fake ID plot. Mm-hmm. If we're continuing our high school bingo card 
you have to have an episode about <laughs> yeah. fake IDs. It, it just is. Absolutely. I also thought it was interesting, sets up later how uncomfortable Lindsay is calling Nick her boyfriend, mm-hmm. which makes me really sad. Nick is so cute. I don't know why she doesn't want him to be her boyfriend. <sighs> I don't know. And that's going to be the running theme, at least from my perspective. Yours as well, but I'm really going to hammer it in, especially as we lead into the next episode. But yeah, so I don't know if she doesn't like him. It was obvious at the beginning yeah. she was more into Daniel. Yeah, that's true. But that's just because he's a bad boy. And so that's how that works normally. I also wonder if Lindsay's not really ready to date. Like emotionally ready to date. Maybe. And that's fine. That's valid. But voice that before you get into a relationship. Yeah. I don't know. know. But maybe she didn't know. Maybe she didn't know. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. She's 16. What does she know? Episode 8, Girlfriends and Boyfriends. And this is where we'll really get into that. Yes. The big point of this episode, it really follows as Nick is starting to make more, I don't want to use the word aggressive. I don't like that wording, but he is, because that sounds like aggro. He's not aggro, but. No, he's just actively showing his affection towards Yes, And he's making very intentional moves to to show. And public moves, which I love, but that's another story for another day. He starts making more advances towards Lindsay in public, and most of them end up making her feel a little bit more uncomfortable than ooh and awed by all of it. The episode opens, and they meet up under the bleachers with the rest of the friends, and he slips his hand into her back pocket, and she absolutely freezes. Another kid comes up behind them and says, yeah, Nick, grab me a piece of that or something, and he- Which is fucking shoots gross. him off, yeah. Which good on Nick for shooing him off. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't want to say Lindsay's in the wrong for not speaking up, but girl, speak up. If you don't like his hand in your pocket, say something. I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to say don't put your hand in her pocket without asking True. There's a lot of conversations of consent that should have happened all around. Yeah, which I will say for when this was shot. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, let's be honest. Consent in the 80s. Was it really happening? Not as much as it should have been. So I understand where they're coming from. Just from my adolescent, because I was Lindsay's age, actually a little bit younger when I got into my relationship, which I'm still in. Not bragging, just saying. And there was a lot of consent talk Mm -hmm. happening during that. But that was just my experience. So yeah, I'm also a very vocal person. And if I'm uncomfortable with something, I will let you know. This is also probably my favorite part of the whole episode. They uh, are walking through the hallway and getting ready to go to their respective classes. And she's trying to like get away. See, I don't Uh like that part of this, but she's like, (laughs) like he leans down because he's so freaking tall and he tries to kiss her on the top of the head and like crashes because she's moving away. And then he says, come here. And he, he grabs the side of her face and kisses her. And I absolutely melted in my chair. It was a whole moment. I don't think that quote was usable because it's just me high pitched screaming for two minutes and sliding out of your chair I slid out of my chair that's right you did but yeah (laughs) ultimately he's making it more and more known that he has feelings for her and she's just stiffening Mm -hmm. up instead of saying yes I like you or no this is making me uncomfortable which to be fair do I make a confession on the show that I've never made before ooh is this the margarita talking um (laughs) 
So when I was this age, because obviously Tanner had very strong feelings for me because he's the one who asked me out, I was kind of in Lindsay's position of I had never really experienced this level of affection before. And I really wanted to break it off. Tanner knows about Mm -hmm. this, but I wanted to break it off because I got scared of the commitment. You know what I'm saying? Like scared that things were getting very serious. But I, I I wrote it out and here I am engaged, you know, 10 years later. But I understand where Lindsay's coming from to an extent because it's really fucking scary when you haven't experienced that level of affection from somebody before. Yeah, but I know you follow you follow all the freaks and all the geeks, but mostly the show is about Lindsay and Sam. Mm-hmm. And I understand yes. that the the story takes place in the eighties, but this was filmed and sh- like shown in the nineties. If I had to give this show just even like two cents of critique or criticism. Mm-hmm. Think about how empowering that would have been in the late 90s to see this main girl, like the main character, say, no, I don't like this. Rather yes, than absolutely. just awkwardly writing it out because she doesn't know what to do. I would love, and we get to that in the next, in a couple more episodes, but like if she had talked to her mother and just said, like, uh-huh. I think this boy likes me and I don't know what to do. If Jean didn't flounder around and was just like, well, honey, tell him how you feel. Yeah. I-, I get her not knowing right off the bat the very first time he tries to kiss her or something. Like, we've all been there. But for her to finally be able to find some kind of empowerment and be like, no, Nick, I don't like it when you kiss me in the hallway. Or no, I don't like this. It would have been yeah revolutionary. Because, yeah. And then also just for plot lines, we wanted to run into issues later on where it was really weird how hot and cold it was because he tries to kiss her in the hallway and then she's already to make out with him later in the episode and they don't make out and she's like no i don't think she wanted to make out she wanted to make out because she saw the lesser of two evils of laying there and letting this large man cuddle her oh that's the lesser of t- that's an evil i'm sorry you what? saw how awkward <laughs> she looked she looked like she didn't like it that's the thing that like kind of like sits with me the wrong way in this whole stint of episodes that we watched is there's just so much that she goes along with because she doesn't want to say no it's sad because that happens a lot it is and that's i will say as devil's advocate they were representing what was happening at the time yeah you know what i'm saying i agree with you that it should have been a thing of empowerment that's what i would have wanted to portray but this was what was happening Mm -hmm. So it's really, I don't know, I don't like it. And that's why I don't like the stint. Yeah. And I mean, they did such great things with Kim Kelly as my friend. And then to yes. come back down of just like, well, the main character is too worried to be able to stand up for herself. Which you don't know how much of that was NBC, how much of that was original writing. You know what I'm saying? So who knows? Who knows? And I will say that, you know, just in case if Frank keeps what I said earlier in, I never did anything I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. with. Again, there was a lot of consent talk, but I understand Lindsay point of view of wanting to break it off because she's just like oh god what do i do with this but the breaking up comes up later but yeah it it just which in my experience i don't know if enough people talk about that either because normally it's like oh this is my first boyfriend and i'm so in love with him and he's my everything and he can do no wrong Mm -hmm. whereas this is oh shit this is getting really serious and i don't really want it to be this serious you know that's another point where conversation would have helped because mm-hmm. they never went on an official date. She kissed him after his failed drama di- audition and he automatically assumed, well, we're dating now. Yeah. Because yeah. he really, I understand he likes her so, so, so much, but there's yeah. been no conversation of, yeah, I like you too, Nick, or I would uh-huh. like to go on a date or would, you know, would you like to go on a date? Yes. Or no, it's just, she kissed me once. So we're totally together now. 
Yeah, exactly. At some point, Lindsay's walking through the hallway and she's already just kind of shell-shocked through the whole thing because Nick's kissing her in the hallway. Millie <laughs> is telling her... Confrontational yeah, about it. You can't it. date a freak. You, you know, you can't be a freak's girlfriend because they only date freak girls and freak girls go all the way. Meanwhile, make out Millie's behind the goddamn school bus sucking face. Heart, she says, who gives a shit? That's the worst ones. Yep. They have herpes. <laughs> Uh, she's walking through the hallway and she's a little shell-shocked of everything that's going on. In a fucking course, Call Me Jeff Rosso pulls her over and hands her a pamphlet on sex and tells her that he'll visit her um, while she's in prison as a teenage mom. Like, he just goes way off the deep end. I'm really concerned about how much this man is interested in what's going on in her sex life. Specifically with Lindsay, yeah. Specifically Lindsay. I know he's... I know the character probably isn't supposed to be this, like, creepy dude, but bro. It doesn't sit well. In the he focuses in on Lindsay so much. Yeah. At some point, he hands her a pamphlet on sex, and Frank, there's a quote from us about it here. That's what he got it on with in the van at Woodstock, was a, a cartoon pamphlet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Use your head when you're given head, Lindsay. That's all I ask. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> what the fuck yeah so ultimately nick asks Lindsay if she would like to come over to his house while his parents are out while his dad is out and she accepts his invitation which girl you could have said no but she accepts his invitation should have said no should have gone home anyways go on. so she accepts his invitation she goes over there even though she's not certain she wants to have sex with him and she thinks oh, definitely that's what's going to happen if i go over there so she goes over down in his basement and he has completely sexed into the basement up there's candles everywhere and there's like tapestry and like there's sh- like fresh blankets down on the the fold out the- couches out with fresh sheets yeah i totally thought <laughs> this is the it's, it's a lot i understand like it was kind of cute because he wanted to impress her but it was definitely a straight up fire hazard and frank there's a quote about it here a fire hazard <laughs> yeah, with those flammable sheets? Absolutely. Thanks. Speaking of predicting things, this is something that blew me right out of the water. I did not see this coming. And he has her <laughs> sit down and he says that there's a song that he wants to play for her that describes all the things he feels about oh. her and how the two of them oh are meant God. to be. And he plays her lady by sticks not only does he play this song for her he also speaks the words along with he doesn't even sing he like awkwardly like says the words to her and Mm -hmm. it's so evident and so endearing how much he just loves her but at the same time like as the audience watching her be like this ain't it for me bra it's so hard to watch it is it is so awkward it hurts tiktok cringe compilations have nothing on this scene that's all i'm gonna say Frank can put in how we felt about it here. Is he gonna sing? Oh no, is he gonna sing? He's trying to express words to her through music. It's Lady by Sticks. <laughs> I'm just gonna slip this out of my chair. dumbest shit. I'm slipping out of my chair. I'm slipping out of my chair. I'm slipping out of my chair. <laughs> She's fallen and she cannot get up. Help. Dear Diary. I watched Jason Seagal cover Lady by Sticks deadpan, and I fell out of my chair. Thanks. I don't know. I feel bad for Lindsay. I feel bad for Nick. I feel like just some good communication could have fixed all of this, and we could have lived happily ever after, but no, because we're teenagers. Yeah, and speaking of teenagers and happily ever after and communication, that perfectly leads into story B. 
Good segue, friend. Good job. Good job. Tension is building between Sam and Bill when in science class, Bill is paired up with Sam's crush, Cindy, as a science partner. So they're sitting in class and it's introduced early on that there's a character named Gordon who is a bit smelly. And large. I'm gonna go ahead and use the term fat because I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's something to be ashamed of. I don't think it's a derogatory term. Um, he is fat and he is very smelly. Or smelly to the point that the entire class notices his smell, especially Sam and his friends. And as the teacher is doling out science partners, Sam is super hopeful that he'll get Cindy, but unfortunately he gets Gordon, the fat smelly boy. Which I felt kind of bad that they did assign smelliness to the fat kid. Like, that's rough. <laughs> I'm waiting for the next episode where they come out and they're like, yeah, and he's colorblind and he's got two left feet. <laughs> <laughs> they just sort of sign everything to this poor fat kid. And he's deaf in one ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordon can't catch a break, but Bill is paired with Cindy and of course Sam is paired with Gordon. Sam is trying to be as polite about this as possible and he even, I think, invites Gordon over to his house to work on the science assignment together mm -hmm. while Bill goes over to Cindy's house. I was gonna say, and Bill is so fast to rub it in to Sam's face. Bill is yeah. such a dick in this episode, but I loved it because this is, you know, this is how friends are. I mean, you and I give each other shit yeah. all the time, too. And not even about like Absolutely. this, especially not about boys, because there's no way. But we give each other shit, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, this is ex yeah. I felt like this episode perfectly encapsulates what it is to be a friend, especially when you know your friend has a crush on someone else to be like, ha ha ha, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he is yeah. so quick to the draw to be like, I'm gonna go to her house and maybe we'll talk and we'll hang out. And I'm gonna go to her room. Yeah, I'll and be on her bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Sam is just like, <laughs> no, please, no. For the love of God, stop. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so Sam invites Gordon over to his house to work on the science assignment. And of course, Cindy's invited Bill over to her house. So over at Sam's house, Gordon decides to sit on Sam's bed, which smelly person sitting on your bed. But he would have really wished that was Cindy, not smelly mm -hmm. Gordon. But Gordon has a seat and Sam is very polite about it, I will say. <laughs> he acts polite. The look on his face was, oh God, no. <laughs> it was horrific. And then Gordon asked to borrow a pencil. And <sighs> that's where I would have not forgiven this child. I'm sorry. I would have beat his ass in my <laughs> in my room and had my mother kick him out. I'd have like, beat his smelly ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would have wanted to get that close, but you know, I'd have I'd tried. Have I have longish <laughs> legs. It's fine. I'd have just kicked him. Oh, all five foot three of your leg? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, for the listener, I want you to know that I'm five foot four with shoes on, um, but all five foot four of me is just legs. No torso. <laughs> it's just legs that lead into a head. Yep. You've seen me. That's <laughs> <Basically>. pretty much. <laughs> yes. Your hips are basically shoulders. Yeah. 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 It makes shopping uh, for shirts real fun. Yes. But you're beautiful Aww. in every single way. Yeah. Homeboy borrows a pencil. Sticks it in his smelly ass ear. <laughs> See, he chews on this damn pencil. And by the time he chews on the pencil, you and I were already both like, fuck this. Nope, nope, nope. No. Then, he's not going to give it back. There's no way. shoved it in his ear. And then he's like, here you go. Didn't even use it. He didn't write a single goddamn vowel. <laughs> he just gave it right back. It was atrocious. 
burn this child. Sam takes it back. Gordon proves to be a true bro in this. Because he gives him hype up talk he, on how to yeah, get he Cindy. Yeah, he goes, I know you wanted Cindy to be your partner. It's obvious you like her. I think you two would be good together. I think you'd be good for her because she's popular mm-hmm. and you're not. He starts giving him tips on how to spend time with Cindy and get closer to Cindy. Start joining all of her after school activities, especially yearbook and comment on her hair. Yep. For part of this, this works. So before we move on, there's a quote about Gordon borrowing a pencil from Sam. I just oh. stabbed him in the neck with that fucking pencil. Doesn't he know Rona's a thing? I'd have been stabbing him in the fucking eyes and the ears. Fuck that kid. Fuck that kid. You just itched your ear with my pencil. That's what the fuck is the matter. What was his name? Gordon? Fucking Gordon? Thanks. So after Sir Gordon's done being a true bro, Sam ends up joining the yearbook. And for a yearbook, they have to sell ads to pay for the yearbook space, of course. And so that gets Sam in the front door to spend more time with Cindy. I was just going to add quickly while we're talking about they have to sell yearbook space. Sam Uh offers up because he's trying to look really impressive in front of Cindy. He offers up that his dad owns that sporting goods store. And he's like, I'm sure he'll buy some ads. And that leads into later. But yeah. At the same time as Sam and Gordon... Bill is over at Cindy's house doing their science project. Bill's sitting on her bed and she pulls up a like vinyl chair beside the bed. He's sitting on her bed and she walks in with the snacks, but it's all like fruits and vegetables. Bill wants to blow off the assignment and watch television. He starts making references to shows that she hasn't seen. Especially Dallas. This boy loves Dallas. He loves him some Dallas. (laughs) She's like, no, like we don't have junk food in our house and we don't have pop, but I can get you lemonade or whatever. I don't even think they're allowed to watch TV, right? Yeah, that's what she said. It's so weird. Like, I feel like those kids grow up to be psychopaths. Am I wrong? Well, we see how she's blooming out to be already. A bitch? Yeah. <laughs> that just came out. That was the tequila mm. talking. So yeah, when she offers to go get lemonades, when she hops out of that chair. Yeah, and uh, we see a resurgence of Bill using the term cut the cheese because it sounds like Cindy may have sliced some Gouda in that room as she left. And she's so quick to be like, oh, that chair makes that noise. (laughs) And Bill has to try it out for himself to see this. So once she leaves the room, he's sitting in the chair and he's wiggling around. He's wiggling around and he can't get it to replicate the noise. So he's bound to determine that this girl farted in the room. Mm -hmm. The next day for your book is Sam and Cindy are walking, trying to sell these ads. And they end up at Harold's store. They tell him it's like $25 for an eighth of a page. Yeah, and he is outraged at this price. And when he finally catches on that Sam likes Cindy, that he's doing this to spend time with Cindy, he comes in clutch and buys a whole damn page. Because he's a bro, man. Sam keeps having all these bros to get this girl that does not give a rip about Oh, it's so sad. Tragic. But Frank, there is a quote here about that. Putting it together. Putting it together. And he got there. There we go. Yay. You know, it's not about how fast you get there. It's just that you get there. Thanks. At some point, Harold also says, like, they might sell ads faster if they split up. And then Sam, you know, is mortified at that. And <laughs> yeah, he's like, Dad, stop cock blocking me, bro. And then Harold says that they shouldn't split up. But at this point, Cindy's already convinced. But the next day at school, Cindy's like, I had so much fun. And while they're walking down the sidewalk, she mentions her period to him, I oh, think, to Sam. Yep, before they get to the store. Yeah, so he's like... Not in a good spot 
friend zone, relationship zone wise mm-hmm. with Cindy. After she says she had fun with him, she invites him to go to that burger place and she says Sackies. Yeah, Sackies. And she says that she sneaks there after school to order double cheeseburgers or bacon cheeseburgers all the time. Because she hates carrots. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all her mom will feed. And Sam thinks he's doing really well with her. And that's when the nemesis or the enemy gets introduced. It's Todd, that mm-hmm. basketball player. And. Cindy starts going off and on, on and on and on and on and on about this guy. It kind of leads us into going, well, he's not even getting friend zoned because she drops the big, you're so easy to talk to. Which is the gay sibling zone, yep. which is not a good place to be, bro. Yeah. And Frank, there's a quote here about that. Sam, leave. Go now. Jump ship. Dive. She farts and likes football players. Dive. She thinks Sam's gay. She told him about her period earlier and just said, he's kind of cute, don't you think? And said that he was the nicest boy in school. This poor kid just got friend zoned. To- oh, he didn't get friend zoned. He got sister zoned. Shit. Yeah, rough for him. Sorry, Sam. It ain't your day, Sam. Don't worry, man. You're going to grow up and you're going to work in an anthropology unit with like a hot doctor. It'll all work out. Just trust. Just trust. I don't know how that storyline ends. Does he die? I don't know. (laughs) So that leads into episode nine. We've got spirit. Yes. In this episode, for subplot A, Sam becomes the McKinley basketball team's new mascot after the former mascot breaks his arm, which is actually Shia LaBeouf, who is the former mascot. He hopes that this will bring him closer to Cindy, but instead of winning her heart, he increasingly becomes frustrated with her apparent desire to be nothing more than friends with him, but she has an obsessive crush over this Todd guy who's a basketball player, and he's the team's star athlete. Mm, Of course. Of course! And he's got great hair, because why wouldn't he? And he eventually becomes so fed up with it that he allows Neil to become the mascot during the basketball game, which leads to insane hijinks because Neil doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, even though he thinks he knows what the fuck he's doing. He doesn't care doing, about being a, a good bitch. mascot either. He just wants to be funny. It was such a weird thing to me because he wasn't even funny. <laughs> that was the worst part. Yeah. Though Neil is much more interested in getting laughs than following orders from Vicky, who is Joanna Garcia, which we met earlier. Yeah, he just kind of ruins the game. So yeah, all of this kicks off when the cheerleaders are leading a small prep rally at the cafeteria where Neil is really bummed by the mascot. He's not funny enough. He's not clever enough. He's not doing these tricks enough. He thinks he could be such a better mascot. And then the the dude that's in the suit, which is Shia LaBeouf again, as we mentioned, he ends up breaking his arm on a table after it collapses. And so Sam sees this as his chance to get in with Cindy. And so he tries out and he actually gets the spot as the mascot. He struggles with practice a couple of days. I don't know that he was really the best candidate. When I rewatched the episode, he (laughs) is the most similar in stature to the Shia LaBeouf character, Herbert. So I think ultimately he got picked because he would fit the costume in such short notice. Gotcha. I mean, that would make sense. Also, he probably, Sam is the kind of guy that wouldn't screw up a performance out of his own ego, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Does that make like, sense? Like yeah, Neil did? that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly like Neil did. He would fit the costume quickly, but the mascot is also required to climb to the top of the pyramid of cheerleaders. You don't want a big dude. You don't want Gordon yep. up there. 
Every time you see Sam at practice, you see Neil and Bill there watching as well. Yeah. Neil is bringing that fucker down. Yeah. Every chance he got. Bill, I think Bill's trying to be a good friend and like support Sam and Neil's just like, Mm -hmm. he's not being funny. He's not being funny. He's not being funny. I could do this so much better. Ultimately, Sam is not ever allowed to practice with a gigantic Norseman head on the big helmet. And when he finally gets it on right before the game, he can barely see out of it. He can barely walk out of it. And he's bouncing into walls, bouncing into people. But of course, he can see as Todd kisses Cindy. Yeah. And in the hallway. hallway. And Cindy rushes over to tell Sam all about how they just kissed and how Todd has finally asked her out. This annoys Sam to no end because it's it's so obvious that they would date because she's a cheerleader and he's a jock. And of course, Sam's just upset. He goes back to the locker room. Todd is sick with nerves Mm -hmm. as Sam is dressing out to his regular clothes. And that's when Neil comes in and is like, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. And, you know, seizes his opportunity. Dumb. It's truly, really dumb. And Frank, there's a quote about when Cindy's coming up to Sam to tell him all about the kiss with Todd. Like, oh my God. And you can put that quote here. You know what day it is, Erica? It's shut the fuck up Friday. And you know who I want to tell shut the fuck up to right now? Cindy. Shut the fuck up, Cindy. It's also National Donut Day. Fuck her. She doesn't get a donut. She's annoying as shit. Thanks. I hate Cindy. Cindy is so annoying. Mm -hmm. Of course she's the girl that he has a crush on because she's so annoying. Mm -hmm. That's just always how it Mm -hmm. is. The worst. So the B story in this episode, Lindsay is still trying to deal with Nick. He (laughs) is still coming on pretty strong and she thinks she wants to break up with him. And every time she tries, she really chickens out. At some point in this episode, she does finally talk to her mother about it. So Nick calls one evening while Lindsay and her mother are doing dishes and Lindsay has her mom cover that she's not there. And after Jean hangs up the phone, she's like, well, Lindsay, you know, I don't like to lie. Well, shut the fuck up, Jean. This isn't my problem. (laughs) And Lindsay's like, I know. I'm sorry, mom. I just, I don't know that I want to date him anymore. So she, Lindsay has Jean cover for her that she's not there when Nick calls that night to talk to her. And she finally confides in Jean that she thinks she wants to break up with Nick. And every time she tries, she chickens out. To which I'm pretty sure you said, you fucking bitch. Oh, I'm sure. Whenever that happens. Every time she thinks about it, I'm like, don't do it, you fucking bitch. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I get it. At some point, Lindsay is kind of upset because her parents are making her go to the basketball game because she realizes that they're going to be there. At first, Jean assumes that she doesn't want her parents to see her with her boyfriend and she doesn't know that Lindsay's trying to dump the dude. She goes to bed that night and fucking Nick shows up outside of her window. Which I love. I thought it was very sweet. I mean, I get he was stoned off his ass. But that's fine. And he didn't show up to like make a move or anything. He literally just wanted to see her. I know. And... Frank, there's a quote <laughs> in which I think we react like this to her to him being outside her window. I don't get why she wants to break up with him so bad. He just hangs outside her window at night. Hey, Edward Cullen ass bitch. Stoned ass Edward Cullen bitch. Thanks. That's my opinion now. It was so cute that he showed up to see her. I would get it if they had already broken up and he's showing up like that's a bit much or if she yeah. had ever communicated she didn't want him to do it. But that was like 
to we know the first time he's ever done it. And it's not like he was in her room watching her sleep, Edward Cullen. (laughs) (laughs) But he just showed up and was like, all right, I want to see your face. And then he's like, okay, good night, sweet dreams and leave. It was so cute. Yeah, bro, come in and snuggle for a minute. (laughs) Sneak out later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a terrible influence. After getting the, I wouldn't say the pep talk, but after talking to her mother about wanting to break up with Nick, she goes, that's it. I'm going to call him right now. And she goes and tries to call him. And as soon as he answers, she chickens out yet again and sits there in silence. Mm-hmm. And Nick thinks it's Ken calling. And so <laughs> Nick goes on and is like, Ken, if you're messing around, I've already been waiting on you. Like I have other things to do. And then he starts speaking in a stupid voice of Ken. <laughs> Lindsay just sits there and finally like hangs up and is like, I don't know what to do. She decides that she's going to go break up with him at his house before the game the next day. Spoiler, she doesn't. Yeah. So she gets over to his house. She says that Nick's dad let her in. Before she can say anything, he has her sit down and he explains what went down with Heidi Henderson, a girl he briefly dated. Throughout this episode, Kim has begged her not to break up with him and Daniel begged her not to break up with him because the last time Nick got dumped, he went he went crazy. So everyone's kind of like hyping up that Nick went off the deep end when he got dumped before so they don't want him to be dumped again. When Lindsay tries to break up with Nick, Nick explains what really went down with Heidi. He really liked this girl they dated for about a week. It turns out that she was only using him to make her boyfriend jealous. Ugh, and he really, really, rough. really, really liked her. He wrote her poems and when she and her boyfriend got back together, she showed her boyfriend the poems that Nick wrote for her and then she started passing them around for everyone to see. Which is shitty. Mm. Fuck her. That's real shitty. So Nick did go to Heidi's house while she wasn't home and technically broke in and st- his poems back. But wouldn't you? Yeah. Because she's showing them to everyone. Fuck her. Yeah. Shit on her bed while you're there. I would have. I would have sh- double deckered her toilet, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> How do you do? What's a double decker? It's when you shit in the tank. <gasps> <laughs> Holy shit, man. That's a whole other level. You're speaking your horrible influence. I'm the bad one here. Heidi's dad did happen to be home, so he called the cops and it was a whole thing, but... Well, maybe he shouldn't have raised such a bitch. So yeah, that's what really happened. And sitting in this, Lindsay goes, I would never show anyone your poems. And Nick goes, I know, that's why you're awesome. And then they go to the game and it's like... It's such awkward timing. I feel like the pacing of... I mean, I think you're supposed to feel that way. So I think they did a really good job at conveying that. But it just... The pacing was just so awful and hard to like sit and swallow and watch. Frank, there's a quote here about what one of us would like to do to Nick. You get high. You climb that mountain. You have a great time with that mountain. I'm gonna leave it there. Let your imagination wander as you wish. Thanks. One of us, let's be honest, both of us. (laughs) And very, very briefly in this episode, it's like kind of sprinkled in. Ken kind of wants to go to this basketball game because he wants to watch the jocks cry if they lose. Kim and Daniel think this is ridiculous. But throughout the episode, they have a huge sudden interest in sports and school spirit because actually get beaten up by a gang of rivals from the other school. About the time that they are graffitiing the head rival's car before the fight, I noticed that this bleach blonde guy who's driving the car was Matt Zucri. You may know him as Logan from Gilmore Girls. He was also on The Good Wife and he's currently on The Resident. And I love me the hell out of Matt Zucri. Yeah, you So do. me seeing a teenage character of Matt Zucri's, I was very, very excited. I knew it by voice. I had to double check, but I love that man. Frank, there's a quote about Matt Zucri getting challenged to fight. Is this a baby Maddie? Is this a baby Maddie? This is fucking Matt Zucri. Who? 
Logan. Oh my fucking god, you're correct. It is him. It is, in the flesh, with bleached hair. Ugh. This is the same hair he had on Gilmore Girls, and he was very, very blonde on Gilmore Girls. Ugh. <laughs> I lost my headphones! So yeah, uh, I can't, I'll be completely honest with you, I do not remember if they won or lost the basketball game. I think they won. Oh! Okay. But yeah, this episode as a whole just sucks. I hate it. I hate a lot of it. I hate a lot of it. Did you mention about Jean breaking up with Oh, Nick? hell. Okay, so the episode ends. <laughs> so yeah, the episode ends. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, so before the basketball game starts, Harold is in the hallway talking with like city council members and he calls Lindsay over because he has to show that he's important. It's a whole thing. Fuck Harold. Yeah, and while Nick is sitting by himself, Jean fucking walks out to him. Fucking Jean! And says, you know, how are you holding up? You know, Lindsay really likes you. She just thought she needed some space and fucking ultimately breaks up with Nick for Lindsay by accident. I mean, I get it, but... You don't talk to your, Stay in your you, lane yeah. You don't talk to your kid's supposed ex boyfriend. Like that's just weird. Say hi if you have to. Do an awkward wave from across the corridor and just leave it be. Like I can understand if it was like a me and Tanner situation where like my grandma saw Tanner at Walmart and she's known him for ten years. Yeah. You know that's different. She doesn't even know this kid. Leave him alone. Keep your mouth shut, Jean. So. Nick goes off and Lindsay finds him before the game and he ultimately breaks up with her. This causes Lindsay to go back into the game and cry into her mother's arms. And Nick drives off. Very sad. We'll be right back after a quick break. What's up, rap rockers, showstoppers, dreadlockers, babyface Memphis Reigns. Here to tell you about Rippin' on the Rocks, brand spanking new series, Dreaded New Metal. Yes! As the name suggests, we'll be tackling all your favorite 90s and early 2000s new metal bands where at least one of the members had dreads. Remember how that was a thing? Yeah! Time to bring it back. Seriously? In this new nine-part series, you'll be hearing us make fun of some of the greats. Rage Against the Machine, a.k.a. Radom, a.k.a. Rage, a.k.a. Rigga Against the Bordello of Murillo. Spray on a farmer tan because we're shucking that Bakersfield bumper crop. Corn. Da-boom, da-da. Sharpen your finest shovel because we're digging all the ditches with Robert Zombie. We'll also cover some of the not-so-greats. Get your GED with Head PE, Higher Education Planet Earth, whatever that means. Abandon all hope on a rope when we just say yes to dope the band. And check those gag reflexes for saliva. Oh no. Getting excited yet? Prove it. You damn well better be. We're going to make you laugh till you have a coughing fit and people have to ask if you are okay. Dreaded New Metal debuts June 9th. Please, Louise, that's next heckin' week. So what do you say, brother? Join me, Eleanor-obsessed Memphis Reigns, the very literate John Milton, and Cyrus the Virus's worst nightmare, Cameron Poe, on June 9th for dreaded new metal. We'll be waiting. Check us out on rotrpodcast.com. That's rotrpodcast.com.
So episode 10, The Diary. This is where homegirl gets multiple orgasms and a women's libs. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the point A of this episode more than the point B. Absolutely. Bill is sick and tired of being confined to, to being confined to deep right field during PE baseball games. And he's always the last to be picked. Of course, all the geeks are last to be picked, but he is dead last. Even <laughs> Gordon got picked in front of Bill. By his sheer size, he should be able to block a ball. Yeah. Bill is also constantly embarrassed by Coach Fredericks in front of the rest of the classmates, and he's convinced he could be a great athlete if he was just simply given a chance. And instead of confronting Coach Fredericks with this dilemma directly, Homeboy decides he's going to be slick, break into the coach's office, and steal the roster of all the teacher's phone numbers and do some crank calls. The first (laughs) one was pretty funny because he decides to be Gordon's father, complain that Gordon really wants to play shortstop, and he's never given the chance to even try. Coach is completely caught off guard by this phone call. He's sitting on his couch in his undies eating some ice cream. And he's like, all right, I didn't think your kid actually (laughs) wanted to try, but all right, dude. He didn't strike me as a sports kind of guy. Yeah, I'll rectify the situation immediately. So the next day when Gordon gets picked, Coach is like, do you want to be shortstop? And Gordon's like, fuck no, I want to be backup and like backup whatever (laughs) position. And Coach is like, really? Really? And he's like, yeah, I like it. And he like runs over to join his team. And he's like, all right. And Bill goes, well, I could be shortstop and coach is like, and I'm married to insert female celebrity name here. Uh-huh. And Bill again is chosen very last. So the next day he prank calls him again. And this call just consists entirely of insults. Something about like sucking on a turd and yeah. and this and this. And this one, this phone call pisses coach off. He's with his girlfriend too. Oh, yeah. The next next day, he comes into the locker room and tells all the boys that before they go onto the field or before they even dress out, he wants to see them one by one in his office. Uh-huh. And so he pulls all the boys in. So apparently he wrote down a transcript of the phone call and he has the boys one at a time read the words so he can hear their voices and he has them speak a little bit lower and do this, do this affectation on your voice. And everyone is really very chalant about the whole thing because none of them did it. You know, the ones who didn't do anything didn't. Alan's dying. Alan's dying laughing just because he's an asshole. Sam, Neil, and Bill are very scared. They're very nervous. They keep doing way different voices and they're overcorrecting in the wrong direction. And finally, Coach is able to suss out that Bill did it. You know, I have to give Coach respect on how he dealt with this because Bill snaps of you don't understand everyone makes fun of us even the girls see that we're picked last you know and coach is like what do you want me to do about it i don't have any control over this situation and bill's like no you have all of the control you could let me pick the team do something to make it more fair i don't get why the coach was like i don't have any control over the situation what the what the fuck are you talking about you're a teacher I guess like what he I guess what he meant was is I can't make the boys pick you but and we even talked about this when we were watching this I am and high school was a hot minute ago and I took gym my freshman yeah. in half a sophomore year so even longer ago I was homeschooled so I didn't take gym let's see my gym was feeding a goat <laughs> gym for me was 14 years ago Jesus well <laughs> Almost 14 years ago. I'm fairly certain Coach divvied up the teams. Yeah. Nowadays they do. 
for this reason, probably. Yeah. I had asked earlier, and this is not making light of the situation, but just a genuine question, like, I wonder how much this kind of situation contributed to school shootings. Yeah. I mean, bullying and feeling left out and feeling inferior. emasculated and inferior is like a big thing. And I will say emasculated because let's be honest, when was the last time you heard of a woman shooting up a school? Yeah. I just feel like nowadays they divvy them up for that reason. So it's not as much hostility at schoolmates, which may prevent mm-hmm. that. Bill is able to divvy out the teams the next day. And of course, he picks his friends out first. Yeah. He catches an out and the boys celebrate like he won the World Series. And then you find out that it's literally the very beginning of the first inning and they still have a lot more game to play. But it was still really cute of them hyping their friends up. Yeah. Which I loved that point of the episode. I loved that whole storyline. But point B, Mm -hmm. dumb. Yes, I agree. I agree. Meanwhile, all of this is going down with Bill and he's conquering the school world out here with you know, sports. Lindsay's parents are super scared that her new friends are having a negative effect on her and they forbid her from hanging out with Kim all because she hitchhiked and someone who shops at Harold's store turned them in for it. Now, Harold suggests that he and Jean read her diary and so they break into Lindsay's room and they start reading her diary and uh, it reveals a little bit more about their marriage than Lindsay's shenanigans. About how Harold never holds her hand and how it's Jean's job to make dinner and Harold just comes home screaming and I don't know how they love each other. Maybe my mom would be happier if she got a divorce. You know, all of these different things. She alludes that they're robots that just live on routine. Yeah. This really sets into Jean, especially. I think it also strikes Harold a little bit, but he pushes back on it because why would he need to change his life? He's fine. He doesn't have to do the dishes. He doesn't Mm. care. But Jean really starts to latch onto this and you can see throughout the episode her demeanor changes. She's trying new foods that Harold doesn't like. She's really upset and dejected whenever Harold dismisses her dinners and things that she puts effort into and tells him, you do the laundry, you can do the dishes. Maybe I'll go back to school and storms off to her room at one point. And Harold comes in and talks to her about it. Then I think they come to a conclusion that Harold needs to help out some more. He also gives her this big sappy speech of, I'm thinking of you all day long. I'm thinking of you when I sell fly fishing bait. I'm thinking of you when someone asks me this. Everything I do is for you. And it's like... Yeah, but that doesn't help the situation at hand, Harold. No, I I hate to say it, but I see what he was coming from because Jean, in her whole newfound woman's lib, thinks Harold doesn't mm-hmm. do anything to help her, doesn't do anything to think of her. Gotcha. And Harold's yeah. saying, no, everything I do is for you. I run a store because I want to provide for you and this, this, and this. So, I mean, I get yeah. it because he finally said something about his feelings, but... He could help around the house some. Yeah, exactly. As someone who is not employed right now, I'm chronically ill and my fiance is the main breadwinner of the house. He still offers to do the dishes when I'm sick. You know what I'm saying? He still offers to help when I don't feel like doing something. And I think that's very important. It is a partnership and people don't, even in this episode, take into account how much effort Jean is putting Mm in. Yeah, Harold's standing in a store all day doing work, which makes money, which is valid. But Jean is also making sure the kids are fed, clothed, making sure Harold's fed and clothed, make sure there's food in the house, clean laundry. And people really negate Mm -hmm. that impact 
that someone has on the household. Harold really wants to read Lindsay's diary because he just doesn't trust her because of the crowd she's hanging out with. And at first, Jean's not about it because if her parents had ever read her diary when she was growing up, she'd have been mortified. And he says that it's the only way they'll know what's going on with her. So the next day while she's at school, they break, they sneak into her room. (laughs) And Jean, being a dumb bitch, I'm going to say it, she's being a dumb bitch, calls out for, she's like, Lindsay, are you here? And Frank, there's a quote here. She's at school, you dumb bitch. Thank you. Thank you, Harold. Finally, once you've made sense. Thanks. So yeah, Harold and I finally synced up on this because he's like, you dumb witch, she's at school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, baby girl, are you good? She's on too many quaaludes. Leave her alone. She's trying to cope with Harold's tiny penis, but it all ends with her and Harold, like, fucking and smashing and having a good old time. And yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I'll briefly add that this episode at some point, I think you touched on this, but I will just say that Harold ultimately bans Lindsay from being friends with Kim. Lindsay takes after her mother and is a dumb bitch and repeats this to Kim, even though Kim says, oh, I can take it. I can take it. You can tell me. So Lindsay repeats (laughs) all the stuff that Harold and I think mostly Harold said about her. So throughout the episode, Lindsay and Kim aren't really talking, but Lindsay finally makes it up to Kim. And after the parents hook up, they come out of the room and they're like, I think we're going to order pizza for dinner. Like, I'm just too too tired to cook. Lindsay goes, Kim's here. And they're like, hi, Kim. Like, are you going to join us for dinner? And it's totally patched over. So yeah. That's about it. That's all. Yeah, this episode was a lot of filler. It leads into episode 11, Looks in Books, which I think is a really interesting play because in the first Mm thing we had tests and breasts and now we have looks in books. And I feel like this episode and that episode really parallel or reflect each other nicely. Yes, I agree. After Lindsay crashes the Weir family car while trying to help Daniel and his friends around, this is so dumb because they talk Lindsay into borrowing the family's car for an afternoon to go get something. I don't remember what it was. Do you remember? Amp. Amps. An amp? For the band. Really? All of this for an Mm -hmm. amp? As Lindsay's driving down the road, she's slightly distracted and this old winch is backing out of her driveway and backs into Lindsay before Lindsay can break. Which, in insurance purposes, old winch would have been held responsible because she was backing into oncoming traffic. It's not Lindsay's fault that homegirl stepped on the gas and, like, backed out in front of her. That's not Lindsay's fault. But... At the scene of the crime, Old Wench, of course, is losing her mind. And Daniel shuts her up by saying, oh, you're so sexy. Like, why? (laughs) The lady goes, you're going to pay for every cent of this. And Uh Daniel goes, "Uh, lady, there's a thing called insurance. And the lady's like, don't talk to me. She's like, oh, wait, don't talk to me. And Daniel goes, yeah, no one wants to talk to you anyway because you're too sexy. And the woman, like, tries to say something else. And you hear Daniel, like, moan off camera. Moaning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very inappropriate. And she's just, uh, accosted. Yeah. She's aghast. It's, yeah, I was gonna say he had very high Danny Zuko, like, vibes in this. Uh-huh. But. Yes. Uh, Lindsay's upset. She knows she's gonna, like, get murdered by her parents. And at dinner, her parents are accosting her and saying, like, how could you? you? You're never to see that gang of freaks again. She's super shaken by this and reverts to her old self, which is a bookish nerd who's on the mathletes team. She begs for her spot back. She's dressing modestly and girly. Lindsay completely ignores the freaks and re-befriends Millie. And so in the process of rejoining the mathlete team, there is a new girl in her spot that she 
ends up actually trying to get kicked out, but inadvertently she gets Millie kicked out, which Millie says, you know, if we're gonna win, that's fine. I'm okay with it. And they go on to the mathletes. At the mathletes meeting, uh, Lindsay kills it. She kills Mm -hmm. it. She kills the game. And the girl that took her spot does not kill the game. She freezes. She fucks up. Everyone's pissed at her, basically. And it's just a whole thing. But at the Mathletes, Lindsay notices that all the freaks showed up. Mm -hmm. With a new fender for the car. Yeah, with a new fender for her parents' car to try to smooth things over and also to support her, which I loved that. I loved that mm-hmm. so, so much that they, they do genuinely care about her. She also went off on them. Yeah, she did. Because she was like, you guys are the worst. How could you do this? You ruined my life. I'm grounded like, forever because thing. of you. Yeah. And so they felt really bad about it and made it tried to make it up to her. So Millie has that sleepover. Lindsay's at the sleepover but decides she can't stay. So... She's like trying to sneak out and Millie comes out (gasps) and she's like, where are you going? Do you need to go home and use your bathroom? And I'm like, girl, she gets it. Like, this is a real friend. (laughs) But Lindsay sneaks out of the, she's like, I I just can't be here. Like, I can't be a mathlete anymore. You know, this isn't really me Mm -hmm. anymore. And she goes and joins up with the freaks to go see a movie. I liked her arc here. And I actually liked some of Lindsay's outfits in this. You did not as much. I liked the very, very first one that like lavender mm-hmm. sweater on the dark purple skirt but mm-hmm. the rest were eh, not for eh, me gotcha but yeah and so things are now good with millie as well as uh the freaks yeah that's so. right because millie goes can we still be friends can we still play uno from mm-hmm. time to time and Lindsay's like yeah of course yeah good old make out millie mm-hmm. you know and just briefly it happened in this episode but it isn't the most important sam is still fuming over cindy now dating todd and is trying to figure out what todd has that he doesn't and ultimately decides that it's the hairstyle that does it for cindy and instead of rocking his beautiful curly hair he's gonna do a feathered look so he spends probably a good 30 to 30 minutes to an hour in front of his mirror trying to get ready for school and feathers his hair and it doesn't impress Cindy at all. She says, did you wear a hat today? Because your hair's real flat. Yeah. She's such a bitch. Such a bitch. <laughs> this ultimately drives him that he needs new clothes because his clothes aren't cool enough. Well, this leads to Sam and Bill to the mall after school to buy some new digs for sam the salesman asks what they're there for and sam says that he wants to buy new clothes to make himself look more cool and Uh the salesman says do you want to be a stud or a super stud and i said homeboy is not ready for super stud start him at a zero but (laughs) of course of course he went for super stud this salesman genuinely genuinely thought the best thing for freshman baby sam was a powder blue jumpsuit disco jumpsuit no wide collar (laughs) wide legs the kind of thing that harry styles can rock beautifully but not this teeny tiny little sam kid it just would not happen No, no, no. but i will say when he gets it home he holds it in front of himself and like dances around in the mirror he's feeling good about it at first until it's like me when i get some short shorts and then i put them on and i want to burn them with me in them (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he's feeling really good about this jumpsuit until he gets to school the next day and everyone's making fun of him. He's trying to hide behind lockers. He tries to even sneak out of the school and gets caught. And finally, he's able to convince Rosso to give him a ride home so he can change. Yeah. 
Except Rosso also comes in the house behind him and gives him a pep talk about how if he believes he's cool, he will be cool. Insert eye roll here. He ends up just dressing like him, his normal self and that's basically it for the episode. It was a real filler. Which, episode 12, The Garage Door. This episode is so sad. I'm actually kind of invested to see where this goes yeah. in the next episode. Yeah. yeah, this is the one I want to know the most about, I think, out of the stint. So Sam and Bill are hanging out at Neil's house. And actually, Bill, if I remember correctly, is passed the fuck out of sleep because they're putting stuff on him while he's asleep, <laughs> right? Yeah. But they're all waiting for Saturday Night Live to start. And I thought it was really fun because I knew what they were waiting for before they even said it. Because they were talking about, like, why do we have to, why does it come on so late? And I could tell it was a weekend. I was like... Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, they're watching OG SNL. And Neil would be the total kid that watches it. That totally tracked. His dad would be the one that left. Yeah, him. that totally tracked for me. Sam and Bill admire Neil's father until Sam is- Sam's at the mall with someone. Who fucking knows? Might be his mom, <laughs> might be his dad. Could be his- Latchkey kid. Yeah, Who cares? Yeah. And he accidentally sees Mr. Schweiber, Neil's father, hugging a strange woman. Excuse me, Dr. Schweiber. He's a dentist. Ooh. Yeah, real doctor. So we see Dr. Schreiber come over and like try to smooth it over that this woman he was hugging is an old friend from high school and they were just catching up and it isn't what it looks like. And Neil believes that when his father is out late at nights because he's doing emergency dental surgery, as soon as I heard that at the top, I was like, well, oh, baby, like that's not how this happens. This is yeah. Yeah. Because you and I worked, I'll just say loosely, in like computer repair that did a lot of like stuff for dental stuff. Dentists. Honey, they don't even answer the phone. 10 minutes to closing. <laughs> Hell Unless no. they need something no. from you, then they call on you, but they do not answer the phone. I know of one nope. dentist that was open late and that's because they were getting like Marilyn Manson in. I was about to say that same story. Yeah, literally Marilyn Manson came through and that's the only reason they were late. Yeah, and of course you stay late for Marilyn Manson. Which, mm, he's problematic now, so we don't- I just mean like him, a but... celebrity of high stature. I don't care who it was. You know he's got insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just to do like, oh, you need a wisdom tooth or a root canal, unless like something broke and like there's a tooth going into your brain, there's no dentist that's just going to be like, I'm doing this no, late. Never. So yeah, Dr. Schweiber comes over, like I said, and smoothed it over. This really starts to wig Sam out. So Sam tells Bill in confidence that he thinks that Dr. Schweiber is cheating on Mrs. Schweiber. That's really hard to say. He thinks Dr. Schweiber is cheating on Mrs. Schweiber. Bill then spills the beans to Neil and Neil immediately denies that there's no way you were mistaken. You didn't see him at the mall. And Sam says, no, 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 I did. However, this does plant a kind of like worm in the back of Neil's brain. So he sneaks out to yeah. the garage and starts looking in his dad's car and he finds the garage door opener that doesn't belong to the their garage in his father's car yeah. which leads to basically the big point of this episode um of the three of them riding around town on their bicycles as neil is pointing this clicker at different garage doors trying to get them to open to find what house this control belongs to it's a whole thing the boys stay out way entirely too late sam's afraid he's going to get in trouble for being out so late and neil tells him you know if this was your father you would never want to go home like you would want to know I don't remember if Bill splits, but Sam definitely eventually splits. And Neil... Bill does too. Neil's by himself when he finally finds the house it belongs to and sees his dad's car parked in that garage. Yeah. One of my favorite parts was when Sam is losing his mind that <laughs> Dr. Schweiber is going to be really pissed and, you know, find out that Neil knows. And so he calls 
Sam's mom and gets him in for an appointment. At 7 a.m. And at 7 a.m. And he's got him in the chair and he's ready to start just going at this kid. And he starts confronting him and even unloading things that are not appropriate for a child. No, he's like, I met Neil's mom when we were in high school or something. And isn't it my turn to have freedom? And I feel like there's something missing out. And mm. Frank, there's a quote here about what was about to happen to poor little Sam. <laughs> This man's gonna hold him down in this chair and threaten his life. Draws teeth out. Thanks. I would not want to be in that position. I would be freaking out. I'd have come clean to my mom, probably, and been like, yeah, I think Mr. Schreiber's dicking down some other lady and he's gonna drill yeah, my teeth out. I was out. gonna <laughs> ask you about that while we were recording. If you saw, if you were in school and you saw your friend's parent mm-hmm. with another person. Don't think I'd give too much of a rip. You saw them hugging someone else. Yeah, hugging, no. I don't think I'd give too much of a rimp. If I thought they were, like, kissing someone, I might come to my parents about it. It's icky. I think I definitely would have gone to my mom about it and been like, hey, I saw this person and this person. Like, what in the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that work? I don't think I would have told my friend about it immediately. Especially hugging. Hugging can be a lot less bad than, like, kissing. Well, I remember he, Bill was like, be comfortable in your in your masculinity and hug me like sh- he's like i'm comfortable in my sexuality <laughs> hug me the way he hugged her and then he then sam like like really deep like neck hugs him and uh-huh. bill's like okay 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 like okay like <laughs> but we all know bill's bi he just wanted a man hug yeah, that's yeah, all. yeah from tiny little sam Yes, yes. But yeah, it, it was a mess. I don't know. So while all this is going down, Ken reveals his first crush to be on a girl named Amy, who's actually in the band. So the freaks are standing on the outside looking in, making fun of the band, and they're marching and practicing out on the field. But Ken definitely, definitely has a flame for this girl, for the tuba player in the marching band. And he eventually convinces Lindsay to ask her out for him because she knows her do you remember though later he's watching through the door at band pride like he's looking through the window in yes! the door like a peeping tom daniel comes up behind him and ken's trying to block the window with his afro like no don't look don't look mm-hmm. don't look and daniel yeah. finally realizes he's staring down at amy and he's like oh you like her mm-hmm. oh. and yeah. the two of them cook up a plan that daniel will talk to Lindsay to talk to amy yes bingo card Lindsay finds Ken watching another marching band practice and walks up to him underneath the bleachers and says, do you really like her? Before I talk to her, I want to make sure you actually like her and you're not going to just be mean to her. Yeah, and not be a Mm -hmm. dick. Yeah. And he's like, no, I really like her. And she goes, oh my God, you really do like her. So after marching band, like she's like, whoa. (laughs) Because Ken's really sarcastic. So she just wants to make sure he's not going to be, yeah, you're right, a dick. So she walks up to Amy after practice and is like, hi, Amy, like, how's it going? And Amy's like, oh, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, actually, my friends and I were going to go to this laser show. And she's like, oh, the laser show, like, sucks. So lame. It's so lame. And she's like, oh, well, like, actually, my friend Ken likes you and was hoping you would you would go with him. And yeah. she goes, the one who makes fun of me? And he's, she goes, yeah, he's, he's just... He's just odd or whatever. She like passes it off, but he actually likes you. And she's like, would you want to go? Like, I understand if you don't. And Amy goes, well, he is kind of cute if you think about it. I just want to reach out and grab his side, (laughs) his cute sideburns. And she had made fun of them earlier. Yeah. And uh, Frank, there's a quote here. There really is a match for everybody. She's going to lose her shit when Patrick Stump turns up. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks. Which I thought it was really cute because, like, she's making fun of him because she thinks his sideburns are cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's being sarcastic to her, her because he likes mm-hmm. her. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, the freaking laser show. It was supposed to be Led Zeppelin, Pink right? Floyd. But then it turned out to be... Or it was supposed to be Pink Floyd. And then it turned out to be Southern Rock. <laughs> yeah. And Nick is the one that really wanted to go. Nick really wanted to see mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, like listen to Pink Floyd. And when it turns out to be not, he's very disappointed. The whole episode, Kim is riding Daniel's dick because Daniel went there with another girl. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel went there with another girl while they were broken up and like hooked up with yes. her there. And Kim's like yeah. jealous, but... Technically, they were broken up, so... Yeah, they were on a break! break. (laughs) But yeah, and so she's constantly like, oh my god, did you make out with her in this seat? Like, did you fuck her here? Daniel's just on this new trend of not engaging in the fight, just letting it go, just ignoring it, like it never... Like, she didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I think it's really funny because... Nick and Lindsay are sitting a row behind Daniel. With this chair. And then, of course. With a chair between them. With a chair between them. And then Ken and Amy are, like, further down the row from Daniel and Kim. In the next row in front of them. They're in a row. Yeah. Daniel and Kim are next, like, behind them and a few chairs over. And then Nick and Lindsay are even behind them a few seats over. So they're in a yes. diagonal line. Yes. In the line. Mm, in a I diagonal heard it line. Out of my mouth. Thank you. Nick and Lindsay are watching all of this stuff transpire. The chair between them. It's really awkward. And then eventually Ken and Amy start making out because they finally figure out, oh, yeah, like, we like each other. It's all good. And yeah. Actually, speaking about consent. <gasps> oh, yeah. Ken asks. Ken is talking to Daniel ahead of time. And he's like, how do I make a move? Like, what do I do? And Daniel's like, uh-huh. you just do it. And he's like, you mean I just ask her, can I kiss you? And both of you and I were like, yes, yeah, yes, yes. That's exactly what you do. Yes. Yes. That's what you do. Ken, that is a Roger correct. <laughs> and Daniel goes, no, you don't ask her. We both went, boo. <laughs> Cancel him. They get there and before the, sh- the show actually starts, Ken is trying to buy her a pop. And she says, no. Mm-hmm. He's like, what about a lemonade or water or this? And Amy says no to everything. And I'm like, oh, no, this girl does not like him. She offers to go get hot dogs or like food. Hot dogs, yeah. And we both thought she like just dipped we thought she both dipped because she didn't come back for so long she finally comes back with the hot dogs and sodas you and i both went (laughs) yeah we thought this man was gonna get stood up oh my god i was so (laughs) i was so devoted for nothing she finally comes back and ultimately like it starts going well and they start making out but he does ask he's like can i kiss you yes and so they start making out and kim who has started to leave and is standing by the back exit is like watching and she's like you know maybe i will forgive daniel because of course and so she rejoins daniel and that's when they start kissing and that's when you Mm -hmm. see nick who's behind all of this like throw his hands (laughs) like come on done done i'm done fuck this it kind of ends with them looking up at the laser show from what i remember yeah at some point they start playing free bird i go oh free bird and you go what song and i go it's free bird and frank there's a quote here <sighs> this fucking song what is the song free bird oh see i never know how free bird sounds at the beginning oh i get it you're missing the eight thousand drunkard people screaming free bird first yes thanks thanks yeah oh. it's, it's hard to yeah. recognize that song without a ton of people screaming yeah, because normally I think also part of it is is that in the beginning when people start hearing it, they start screaming. And so I never heard the beginning of that fucking song. And so whenever I 
heard the beginning of it, I was like, what is this song? It sounds so familiar. <laughs> yeah, it should be familiar. I will tell you what, that song, let me look it up right now. It's like nine minutes uh, long. I think it's seven. Hold on. Because it's one of those that the DJs would always like take a shit to. <laughs> That's what they would play. Oh, you're right. Freebird is nine minutes and seven seconds long on Spotify. When you see it live, because I saw Skinner a few years ago, it's at least, it's easily oh. 15 to 20 minutes long. Jesus fuck. Why? Because they play that guitar solo in the center for a very long time. And every other bandmate goes and takes it. Yeah, they all take turns rotating in and out. (laughs) But yeah, um, and so that's that stint. I will say shout out to Witsy for literally carrying the stint because I could not remember anything to save my life. Memory. I was kind of hoping with that seat in the middle between Lindsay and Nick, I was like, "Mm, they're going to work this out and one of them's going to scoot over. And no, no. No, no, it didn't happen. Not at all. Never happened. But yeah, there's always next week to see how it ends. And hopefully they'll, I'm hoping they'll be back together by the time this all Well, that's the thing. The show get, got canceled. So there's probably not a happy ending. Why do you got to do this to me? Why are you a downer? I'm trying to be trying positive. to be realistic. Shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. It's a TV show. It's Every fine. Every listener right okay. now who's already seen this show is like, Bleh. Or maybe, maybe I'm right. We'll have to find out next time. See who's right um, on Pitch Watch. But. Yeah, I'm excited to finish the show and see how it goes. Follow us over on Twitter at BitchWatchPod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and you can follow me over at Bean.ButRito on Instagram and drop the dot for Twitter. Witsy, where are you at? Witsy12 on Instagram, W-H-I-T-Z-Y, the number 12. And then on Twitter, I am E-C underscore Witsy as in erica see you later underscore w-h-i-t-z-y yeah if you like what you heard you can leave us a five-star rating and a review over on apple podcast be on the lookout for a website we are going to be launching soon technically i think it's already ready but eh, we'll be announcing it later and then yes but most importantly always remember to make good choices or don't and be smart about it bye two bitches yeah two bitches two bitches just watching tv (laughs) Bitch.